Welcome everyone to the fourth quarter comeback podcast. I am your host, six pack Pat O'Connor, with my loyal Jets friend, Red Zone Rick. Rick, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Pat. Ready to get to work, man. All right, that's what I like to hear. Let's get to it. This is going to be a very NFC East centric show today, and we're going to start off with Odell Beckham Jr. and the comments he made before the game and how the game played out. Rick, as the native New Yorker, we'll start off with you and what you think. What do you think about OBJ, his comments? He came out, he said, the team's low energy, he's questioning their schemes, he was saying Eli's been playing it safe, and he's just not really playing as well as he should be. Obviously, we see the results. They played a little bit better against Carolina, but they still lost to a last-second 63-yard field goal from Graham Gano. They lost 33-31. to Rick, did they work? Pro, con, are you against them? What do you think? I think that that was definitely a shit show. That interview was a shit show all the way. I think that the questions that were asked to him during the interview uh, probably kind of caught him off guard a little bit. You know what I mean? And he kind of just let it flow when... Could that have anything to do with hanging out with Lil Wayne for absolutely no reason? Did you see him? Oh, my God. That was such a bad look. Guys on TV, high as shit, sitting next to you. I mean, we all know what Lil Wayne does, and I'm not knocking Lil Wayne. But come on, man. You know what I mean? That's who you choose to do an interview with? Like, what does he have to do with anything that they're talking That's about? The first thing. Of all, what's the fucking purpose? Like they can be just friends. I get it. They're Louisiana boys. I get it. They love each other. Eli's even included in that. But what the fuck is the deal? Why? So let's get past that, Rick. Is there any good to come from it? No, there's no good that can come from this. You called out your team. You said they played with no heart. You said that the coaches couldn't scheme right. You said that Eli Manning is, you know, afraid to take shots downfield. I mean, you're talking to a guy that won two Super Bowls taking shots down the field. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, this is coming from someone who choked in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Two years ago when they played the Packers. Come on, OBJ. You got to have more sense than this. And this has to do with his fucking attitude, Pat. This is just who the, this is just who he is. The look at me, cry baby, hot shot. You know, I'll make a few good plays a game, and now I deserve all the credit in the world. You know what I mean? You That's sound like it. That's the thing. I don't like everybody. Everybody's spazzing out. Everybody's spazzing everywhere, you know, about his comments. The thing is, I don't hate him going after the team's energy. I don't hate him going after the schemes. I actually like that. I like that he's calling it out and saying how things are going. The problem I do have is kind of what you're saying now is his tendency is more, what about me? He's always, what about me? He mentioned in his interview, what about Julio and DeAndre and Antonio Brown? These guys, they're getting free passes. They want He just wants free plays to go down the field. He said he doesn't want to do the 60-yard slant and runs. Obviously... He just wants easier touchdowns. So that's when it becomes a problem for me, when it's just about his production, his stats, padding his numbers, making life easier on him. I understand as a person you want to do what's best for you personally, but you got to look out for the team. Yeah, you don't need... Listen, it's like old school rules, you know? You can't say something about someone and not say it to them first. So my problem with the whole thing is you don't pull the bitch move and talk about it with someone else before you address it with your team. You know, if you have a problem with the scheme, you go to the offensive coordinator, you go to the head coach, and you tell him, listen, I need you to scheme better. 
or if you're having a problem with Eli. But do we know that he didn't do that? Yes, we do know that he didn't do that because this weekend it came out that he addressed the team after the interview came out. With that being said, he did the bitch move. He spoke about it first. He blasted your team. And then when you found out that there was going to be some backlash, you went and you tried to cover it up in the team meetings or wherever it was that you fucking spoke about it with your team. All right? That's a bitch move. Now, I get it. Everybody that doesn't play offensive line or defensive tackle wants to make big plays. They want to get the ball all the time. You know what I'm saying? I totally understand that. But there's just certain things that you don't do as a professional athlete. You don't question a man's money. You don't question a man's personal life. And you don't question a man's heart on the field of play, especially if you didn't do it to his face first. And that's my problem with this whole thing with Odell. You know, he seems to be that that person that feels like they're entitled. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I he definitely agree that he seems like that diva entitled type of receiver. That's for sure. You know, you, you the put George up good George Michael numbers. earrings, I think, give that away. You, you put up good numbers. You're a great player. Just handle yourself a little better, man. You know what I'm saying? Grow up a little bit. Exactly. Handle your business on the field. You can talk all you want. You can do your stuff. But you got to handle yourself as a professional on and off the field. That's the best way to do it. Especially when you just got your payday. That's the whole thing, too. It's like, come on, man. You just got paid by them, and now you're making it sound like in this interview, like, you don't want to be there. You know, make up your mind. He feels more indestructible, or he wants to get out the door because he sees it not working that way. If he wants to move on from Eli, I'm really unsure on what his end goal is with all of it. You could see... Obviously, things were working out decently well for him on the season. I mean, he has 39 catches, 462 yards. He finally got in the end zone on Sunday, not only with a receiving touchdown. I wonder if he's going to be able to hold this over Eli's head or not, but he has a passing touchdown, 57-yarder to Saquon Barkley himself, actually, down the sideline, got a good score. So, he's getting the stats. (laughs) It was definitely a shitty throw. I don't care what anyone says. It could have been better. Well, there's really not going to be any debate on the quality of Odell's arm. As far as that goes, maybe Eli did it on purpose to make sure he can take him down a few pegs, saying, look how shitty that throw was. So, <laughs> and, and Saquon made a lot of run after the catch, so th- these are points that feed against what Odell was talking about in that interview. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not loving everything else about the Giants. I do get what he was saying in some parts. They're just not playing that well on both sides of the ball. The line is faulty. They're being outrushed on offense by their opponents, 622 yards to 378. That's a pretty big disparity. And on defense, the sack differential is 16-6 to against their opponents. So both sides of the line, they're not really putting in the effort that I want to see that the Giants need them to right now. That said, the biggest problem seems to be the mentality of the team, the locker room environment. Pat Shermer obviously was very pissed off about it. He was not happy with Odell. He's not happy with the way everything's going. He was praising Saquon Barkley, though, so that might be a bright spot. He might be anti-Odell, but he's pretty pro-Saquon right now. I think Shermer did a great job getting in front of it at the press conference when he said, Finito, you know, the, the funny line that everybody's laughing at. I think he did a great job getting in front of it. He deferred all the questions to Odell, and he's just like, I'm not talking about it, that it is what it is. I did like it. I did like it. He came out, he addressed it, he was strong with it, he was clear with it, he said it was addressed, but we're done talking about it. And I definitely think 
I definitely think him praising Saquon was a shot at Odell. 100% a shot. He killed Odell with that. You know, he, he basically said, look, we got this young guy who everyone's hyping up to have just about as much talent as you, and he just goes out there, and he shuts his mouth, and he plays the game. You don't always got to yell the loudest to, you know, be, be thought of as the person with the most heart, you know? Actually, on the contrary, we, we've always said growing up, the loudest person is the biggest bitch, you know? I wonder if there's something to be said for that for Odell. From one NFC East team and possible bitch to another East team that is not bitch, we have the Eagles losing to Minnesota 23-21. It was a tough one. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, he's just, he's on it. You know, he is carrying for 300 yards, 30 completions, a touchdown every game. Him and Thielen and Diggs, that's possibly one of, if not the best passing receiving combinations in the league right now. The Eagles, though, are a mess. Defending Super Bowl champions, a lot of people thought it would be a shoe-in, a cakewalk to get to the NFC East Championship, but it's not working out so well for them. Carson Wentz, he came back, he's playing pretty well, but it's not the whole Cinderella story that everybody seems to remember. J.A.J. ending up on the IR for the rest of the season, unfortunately, and Dalvin Cook's been down as well. He, even when he hasn't been down, it hasn't been a very productive season for him. The Vikings have definitely moved on to be a pass-first team. Eagles were shaky in a loss. It was a close one, though. It brought them down to 2-3, and three, put them in third place in the division, however. Rick, with Ajay going out and Clement, Smallwood, and Sproles being the only options, do you put any credit in the rumors of either Shady McCoy or Le'Veon Bell being traded to Philly? And if so, how much of a boost do you think that will bring to them? Well, I definitely think that they could be iron shady. I'm not so sure about Bell. You know, I think that their mentality would be shady's on the field now. He's in game shape. He's ready to go. You know, will Bell, you know, hinder us a little bit if he's a little rusty getting back on the field? You know, so I think that they would probably be leaning towards Shady McCoy. And I think if they did get Shady back, that would help this this offense tremendously. Right now, they're not moving the ball in the air. And I think that maybe they could benefit from, you know, getting the ball to the running back in, in the flats. You know what I'm saying? Getting in a rhythm early in games to, to get Carson Wentz arm going. You know, they're not looking good offensively when it comes to passing ball. And, you know, Shady can run and catch. So let's get him out there. You know, that's what I would do. I would definitely try to make a trade for Shady. Get him on my team. Hand him off the ball. You know, get him out in space. Let him make some plays to see if he can ignite this offense back to where it used to be. Doug Peterson is a great coach with great scheming, but right now their offense is looking a little uh, rusty, if you will. Very lackluster offense. I agree with you there, and I do agree that Shady possibly would be the better option only because he's in game shape. He's been ready to play. He's ready to go, even with the rib cracked. I think Shady, just with the history, honestly, the history there in Philly, I think it'd be a good story. I think it'd be a good setup. The fans would be very welcoming. You're going to be able to get Shady for less than you're going to have to give up for Bell. So I'd like that. The return is going to be just as good, I believe, in the long run. Because it's going to fall on Wentz at the end of the day. And I think Shady's just as much of a help. 
So the Eagles, they need to make some kind of move. That backfield just isn't going to get it done. Those guys are okay. They're second or third backs. They're not starting backs in the league. They're not going to be able to carry this offense like Foles did as a replacement player. I definitely agree with you there. I think they definitely need to make a move if they can for one of those two backs. Uh, Small was a decent player. You know, uh, I like Clement too. You know, they're both decent players, but together they're not going to give you the production that someone like Shady or someone like Le'Veon could give you. Exactly. I agree with you. And as you can see, the fantasy world is a tizzy already because they can see possible movement in the air and everyone's trying to maneuver and get in on the Shady sweepstakes before the big trade is pulled off. So we'll have to wait and see some big ramifications when it comes to fantasy football and football in Philly. Next up, we have Coach Clapp leading the Dallas Cowboys to a time loss to the Houston Texans, 19-16. Jason Garrett did not go for it on 4th and 1 on the Houston 42. He elected to punt and show that Dallas has no balls. So, unfortunately, Dallas, while 2-3 and three, and in 2nd place in the division did not get a good grasp of the NFC East this weekend. I do believe with that line, even though they're hurt, and a running back like Zeke Elliott, yes, they got stopped a few times on that drive and a few other drives, but I think fourth and one in Houston territory, you have to go for it. You have one of the best backs in the league. Let him go. Shit, even if you don't want to let him go, get creative with it. I know that's against your nature, but have Dak roll out. Do something simple. Hit your eight-foot uh, basketball-playing tight end in the flats. Get the first down. You have to do something there to win the game. Losing in overtime with a fourth and one in Houston territory is just even more evidence that the coach clap culture is simply not working in Dallas anymore. Rick? This was the dumbest fucking move of the season. Like, nothing is going to top this. Nothing is going to top this. Okay? Jason Garrett, why does he still have a job? Explain this to me, Pat. I'm still wondering how this guy has a fucking job. Fourth and one with Ezekiel Elliott in my backfield. I'm in Houston territory. Shit, I might have gone for it if it was in my territory. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? You have Ezekiel Elliott. You're in overtime. What did Herm say? You play to win the game. Somebody has to do something about this. People like this, this guy's, he, he's one of those people that, like, just have jobs hostage. Get the fuck out of there. There's another coach that's better than you that should be coaching Dallas. Dallas has a good team. They're not great, but they're decent, and they should be winning more games than what they are now. Jason Garrett is the, a direct problem in Dallas. He needs to go. Well, that's what one of the people on one of the main debate shows out there, we will not name names, did say something that I really agreed with. And it wasn't to the point of just, if Jason Garrett got fired, would he get any of the other jobs in the NFL? No. Easily the question, easily the answer is no. That guy shouldn't be your head coach. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because there's a lot of teams that I didn't see him being an offensive coordinator for. You know, maybe there might be like two or three teams that might need an offensive spark that maybe he could provide. I don't think he's a bad offensive coordinator. I just think that he's not a great coach. And that fucking play that he didn't go for, that makes it look bad. That makes it look even worse for him, you know? 
He didn't go for it on fourth and one. Obviously, the Texans came right back. Deshaun Watson threw it to Hopkins, and bomb 49 yards. Hopkins broke probably about 50 tackles, I want to say. I didn't get the next-gen stats, but he broke about 50 tackles to get to the Dallas 27. It was over from there. Unbelievable run by Hopkins. Even more unbelievable decision to not go for it by Garrett. And this leads to a bigger problem. The Cowboys' defense is fifth overall. Their offense is 30th. 30th. With the talent they have, that is unforgivable. They're fifth in rush. That shows you that Zeke is on point. Even with the battered line, everything going on around him, their rushing attack is solid. They're 30th in pass. Do we see a trend here? Fifth in defense, 30th in offense. Fifth in rushing, 30th in passing. Alan Hearns and Tavon Austin are the only receivers on the team with a touchdown. Pride is getting in the way in Dallas. Jerry will not even consider bringing Dez back when Dez is a huge upgrade over anybody on that team to get into the end zone. Is he what he used to be for those couple of star seasons? No. He was never a top receiver, but he's damn sure good enough to be the main guy in Dallas. Bring Dez back in, kick Garrett's ass out. Am I right? A hundred percent, man. You got Dak Prescott there, you know, who a year ago, two years ago, looked like a franchise quarterback. And it just seems like he's regressing now. And I don't think that Jason Garrett is good for Dak Prescott, you know. It's looking really bad over there. And Jerry Jones needs to make a move. He needs to make a move now. And he just too, he's too stubborn to make that move. I don't know what his loyalty is, what his affinity is with Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett must have... Pictures he's of, one of Jerry those guys. Jones. He's in the, very he's in the Jeff Fisher club of having pictures on everybody in the league. You know? <laughs> he he must have something hanging over Jerry's head to have the job this long, man. Because wow, I thought I thought Bowles made a fucked up call when he kicked a field goal against the Jags when we should have went for it. But this shit takes the cake, man. This is incredible. You get a first down, you keep your drive alive. You're already on their territory. You're about 10, 15 yards away from field range, and you don't make the call. Shriveled up nuts. It wasn't Dez's talent that was the problem. It wasn't even really his money, because especially now they could get him for a lot cheaper. They seem to claim that it's a locker room type of issue, but then you have guys like Cole Beasley was talking shit, saying it's not on the receivers. He's pissed off that everybody's putting on the receivers. Alan Hearns has repeatedly, repeatedly gone out. And called out the team, calling out the play calling, saying it's not on the receivers. The receiving core in Dallas is getting very upset that everybody nationwide is saying America's team has a bullshit receiving core. The problem is, guys, Dak's missing a few throws, Garrett's not scheming for you right, but your receiving core is weak. Anything that can help should be added, and that is Dez right now. Face the facts, Dez needs to go back to Dallas. Immediately. Now, to leave Dallas, Garrett, who do you even replace him with, though, right now? I would say there's a couple of decent people out there that I think the Cowboys could move on. You got, like, John DiFilippo. He was a pretty big name. He's in Minnesota, the offensive coordinator. You see how things are working there. He was a quarterback's coach in Oakland with Derek Carr and Philly last year winning the Super Bowl. I think... If you're just looking at offensive minds, he might be the best one in the league that's going to be available next year. And then as far as guys that have had chances and this would be their second go-around, 
maybe Josh McDaniels, Todd Haley, guys like that. If anybody fucking offers Josh McDaniels a job, they're just fucking bitch made. That's, I I am not personally going to disagree, but he's got a name out there. Somebody's going to give him something. I assume he's just he's steadfast in staying in New England and praying that he's the successor for Belichick when Belichick decides to hang him up. But we'll have to wait and see. Maybe Jerry makes him a big offer. You got Cromer and Waldron running the offense together under McVay. I could see them maybe getting a chance because that magical McVay rub that everybody's looking at and everybody seems to be thinking that he's the best offensive mind in the game right now, or one of. So anybody under him, they might be thinking this is the next best disciple tree. Maybe college guys. One of the best uh, college rivalries. There's Michigan, there's Ohio State. There's two coaches there that might be looking to get out of their settings. You got Urban Meyer, you got Jim Harbaugh. Any of these names... Standing out to you, Rick, do you think any of these names would be a good fit or a fit that Jerry would leap at? Well, I think that Jerry is not going to take that chance on a Jim Harbaugh right now. Um, Urban Meyer, you can just take him right out of this discussion. I don't think he fits in the NFL at all. I think that uh, like his his scheme and the way he likes to you know play football doesn't it's not it doesn't translate to the NFL. You know, and that's evident with the with the people that come out of Ohio State, you know, quarterbacks that never make it to the league, you know. that He's like a Spurrier or a Shiano or a Saban, you know, guys that just don't cut it in the NFL, but they're great college coaches. Yeah, you know, they like to run the option game, which works in college and it, and it works to a certain extent in the NFL, but you're not going to make your money on the option game in the NFL. And I think that that's what Urban Meyer is. He's an option quarterback, kind of, I mean, uh, an option coach, kind of like Nick Saban. You know, I don't think that Nick Saban's game translates to the NFL either. I think he's a great defensive mind, but I think offensively he lacks. And uh, it's just not a good fit in the NFL. I think they're more college coaches ready to play, you know, ready to coach college kids. As far as John Filippo, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I think that he is a great offensive mind. I've been hearing his name. You know, for the past couple of years, he was mentioned, you know, in the Jets offensive coordinator uh, search two years ago when we had John Morton. So I know he's pretty well versed in, in the offensive game. So I like that. I like that you brought that up. That was kind of surprising to me. That was a good one. That's what I do. That is the situation of the NFC East. Redskins, by the way, they were there. They got slaughtered by the Saints while Drew Brees was having his record-setting party, the Redskins were actually there getting their asses kicked. So, they fell the 2-2. Two and two. They are still on top of the division. Rick, we have the Redskins at 2-2. Two and two. We have the Cowboys at 2-3. and three. Eagles at 2-3. and three. And the Giants at 1-4. and four. Who is going to walk away with this division at the end of the season? Yeah, I still stand fast with that the Eagles are going to win the division, which is what I picked at the beginning of the season. I had the Giants coming in second, but that looks like that's going to be <laughs> not a good pick for me. Um, I guess we'll we'll put Washington in that spot for now because I don't think Dallas is going to get any better than what they are now. I think they're just a mediocre team that's going to go. They're going to um, flip flop wins and losses. You know, each week you might get a two game winning streak here or there, but I think they're going to you know get two and three game losing streaks here and there as well. So I'm looking at Dallas to be mediocre. If Washington has a chance now to take the next step and 
you know, try to make some noise in that in that NFC East, try to bring some free agents in next year and become a real contender. Well, I do want to agree with you on the Eagles. I'm not going to. I am actually not going to do it. I think the Redskins are going to fall off a bit. They're going to be that mediocre kind of average team in there, 7-9, 8-8. They're a solid team, but they're not going to win it. Eagles, they're going to come out second, even if they get McCoy, which I think is going to be a big move. I just feel like something's off. Something they have that Super Bowl hangover. I don't see them winning the division. The Giants, 1-4. The locker room's falling apart. To me, being a Giant right now, it's like skiing. It's all downhill from here. I like the Dallas Cowboys. As much as I think Garrett needs to go, I think the players of the Dallas Cowboys are going to will themselves up. And by no means is it going to be a 13-3 and type of thing. I think the Cowboys are going to squeak by in the worst division in the league with something along the lines of a 9-7 and division victory. As balls. With that said, we have some pretty big games this week. We have Thursday. We have a division game, actually. We have the Eagles at the Giants. Who do you like in that one? I like the Eagles, like you said. I I just think that, uh, like you said, the Giants are going downhill, you know, after those Odell comments. If if you notice, back to it really quick, like it seemed that he was okay after this loss. Could that be because he scored a touchdown? Could be. He's he's okay when he gets his. Unfortunately, his doesn't necessarily always include the W. So we're going to have to wait and see. I think the Eagles are going to slam them on Thursday night. I think so as well. Like I said, I think the Eagles are going to come back to form and take over this division and win it out. So I'm looking for the Eagles to win Thursday night. All right. Then we're going to have the Panthers at the Redskins. That's a tough one for the Redskins. And we have the Jags at the Cowboys. So all these are tough division games. It's going to be tough to get wins. It could very easily be a 1-3 week for the NFC East. And that one is only because one is guaranteed. Unless it's a tie this season, who knows? (laughs) Decent news for the Cowboys. They're at home so far this year. Two wins at home, three losses on the road. So hopefully they'll be able to pick up a big win against Jacksonville and their struggling offense. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, Rick. The other night we saw some history as Drew Brees went to the top spot in NFL's quarterback all-time passing yardage with 72,103. Obviously that number's going to grow by the week. Rick, is Drew Brees a top five all-time NFL quarterback? Hell yeah. Drew Brees is a top five quarterback all time. Just look at the Kinsley Pat. He's been doing this since 2001. He's been having good seasons since 2001. I mean, he was decent in his early years and turned great when he went to, to New Orleans. So, yeah, Drew Brees is definitely a top five quarterback. He's been one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the league since he's been drafted. For the last 18 years, he's been one of top quarterbacks, okay? There's no way you can tell me, especially after this, breaking Manning's record for the all-time leading passing yards and having a shot to break Manning's all-time touchdown record too, no way you can tell me that he's not a top five quarterback all-time. I can and I will. Drew Brees can definitely pack his toothbrush and head to Canton now. He is easily a Hall of Fame quarterback, He is one of the best that's ever done it. 
and he fits perfectly in my honorable mention right now. He's in my honorable mentions right along with the other big stat guy, Dan Marino, who got bumped out. My top five right now, at five, Johnny Unitas. Number four, Brett Favre. Number three, Tom Brady. Number two, Peyton Manning. Number one, Joe Cool himself, Joe Montana. Fuck all you Patriot people that are going to jump all over my ass for saying Tom Brady's not the greatest thing in the history of the world. You can take Tom Terrific. I'm going to take Joe Montana. And honestly, Drew Brees is not even the number six guy. He wouldn't bump Unitas out of the fifth spot for me. It would be Aaron Rodgers that takes the Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers, to me, listen. Aaron they both, Rodgers. They both have a Super Bowl. They both have very good stats. No, I understand Drew Brees, Drew Brees, like Drew Brees is up at the top of the mountain right now, but we don't know for sure that he's going to break Manning's touchdown record. And it may not even be Manning's. It might be Brady's touchdown record, actually, by the time he gets to it, because Brady actually has more touchdowns. I do not want to go against Drew Brees at all. He's awesome. He's one of the best leaders I've seen. I love it. I love the way he gets the team riled up. He gets things going. But he's just not in my top five. It's not a disrespect thing. It's just every guy that is in my top five is there for a reason. And Rodgers, he has... Listen... Who's the best quarterback in the league right now? Don't say Patrick Mahomes. I'll fucking jump through this microphone and kill you. Who's the best quarterback in the league now and for the past, what, five-plus years? Who? That's Aaron Rodgers. That's fine. Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so in a league. I'll give you that, but he's not light years beyond someone. Tom Brady's right there with him. Drew Drew Brees is right there with him as well. the best quarterback in the league. It's been Manning or Brady or Rodgers. That's just, listen, that's just a circumstance. That's just timing circumstance. That's circumstantial because we've had, we've had two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game because I think Manning is in the top five and I think Tom Brady's also in the top five. So you have two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. All right. Who's on my list that you disagree with? Let's get that clear first, though. Who's on your list that I disagree with? I'm guessing it's Johnny Unitas because you have well, no, no respect listen, for history listen, when ranking listen, things. I'm not I'm not going to disrespect Johnny Unitas, all right? If you want to put Johnny Unitas up there, that's totally fine. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. I'm going to say this. You know, Johnny Unitas wasn't my time. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not thinking about it that far It's back. not top five quarterbacks your time, Rick. Okay, it's, it's all top time. Five That's fine. And I don't think I don't think that he's a top five quarterback all time. Is John Jim United Brown a top five running back of all time? Meh. All right, I'm gonna fucking just hang up on you right now. Meh. Hang it up because I don't think he is. No one should I, hang it up you with this argument because Drew Brees bro, is awesome, but he's not a five quarterback of all time. He's just not. I'll give you your list. That's fine. You want to put Johnny Unitas up there? Totally fine. Brett Favre made my list, so that's fine. Tom Brady made my list, that's fine. Peyton Manning made my list. That's fine. Joe Montana made my list, that's okay. I just don't agree with Johnny Unitas, all right? And if you wanted to put Rodgers in that spot, I don't agree with that either. He hasn't put up the production that Drew Brees has, okay? Stats mean something. Consistency means something. Rodgers is having a tough time staying on the field these last two seasons, let alone being as consistent as Drew Brees has. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. He's the best quarterback skill-wise in the league for the past five years or whatever you say. And that doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't mean that he's a top five quarterback of all time. Look at what's going on now. What if this is 
Rodgers breaking down. What if this knee injury is Rodgers breaking down? Look how they got fucking smacked Then I would still Detroit. hold him in higher regard personally. He's got one Super Bowl, which happened in the beginning of his rise to stardom. Drew Brees has one Super Bowl. I don't know why you'd bring that up. But. That's fine, but he beat another top five quarterback all time to get that Super Bowl. Okay? He didn't beat Who fucking... Who did Rodgers beat? Ben Roethlisberger exactly. when he was what? Let's, let's calm down here now. All right. Rodgers is a great quarterback and he's been a great quarterback for the last five years. You can't be top five all time if you're not consistent. And he hasn't been consistent. Last year's injury killed his season. He's looking like a man with a peg leg right now out there on the field. It's not looking good for him. Okay. And so Rodgers can give me some more consistency. Okay. Right now, he's not the best quarterback in the league. Right now, at this moment in time, He's not the best quarterback in the league because there's people out there outplaying Aaron Rodgers. Skill-wise, does he have the best skill in the league when he's healthy? Yes, 100%. But production-wise, he's not the best quarterback in the league right now. They've made the playoffs here and there. They beat the teams that they were supposed to beat in the playoffs. And then when they get to the championship game or the game before the championship game, they lose. That's how they've been going. Okay? Drew Brees is the same way. So if we're going to compare them like that, then I'm definitely going to take Drew Brees to be in my top five because he's done it longer, more consistently than Aaron Rodgers. No way you're going to put Aaron Rodgers in your top five if his last game was tomorrow. And if you did that, I would fucking disown you as a friend. I'm not going to put Aaron Rodgers in my top five if he ended his career tomorrow, God forbid. I would leave Johnny Unitas in my top five because phenomenal quarterback. That was way ahead of his time. Listen, you can have whatever you want to say. I'm not going to go that hard against Drew Brees because I don't hate him enough to say, no, he can't be a top five quarterback. If you're telling me he's in your top five, I'm okay with it. He's worthy of being in someone's top five list. He's just not in mine. That's cool. I think number seven all time is a pretty damn good spot to be in personally. I have one more question for you. You love Madden. You're a Madden guy. You're going to have your Madden YouTube channel all over the place soon. It's going to be on Instagram. You're going to have the whole deal. You'll be world-famous Madden player. If I had a choice to start a franchise in Madden, obviously Aaron Rodgers isn't injured and is four years younger. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers because he's going to last him longer. If I take Drew Brees in in Madden... He's going to retire in three years on me, and there's nothing I can do about that. Now, if you're going to give me both of them in their prime, I'm taking Drew Brees. We just don't have anything else to discuss here because you think fundamentally all around Drew Brees is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers, and I could not disagree with you more. Aaron Rodgers, I, I didn't say prime, that. If we're going skill-wise. You just did. You just <laughs> but fucking no. said in their prime. Because I'm protecting Madden, I will take Drew Brees. A fucking... Of of Drew Brees being a top five quarterback. That said, Drew Brees, all these guys setting all these big numbers, we don't know for sure how long these records will stand because you see Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Drew Brees, all these guys came along and took down Dan Marino's records. With the way the league is going, the passers are that much more protected. They have a lot more time. It's gearing towards the big downfield game. I could see all these records falling 
sooner rather than later. Definitely not by this current crop. Guys like Darnold or Rosen, they're not going to get it done. But down the road, some new quarterbacks are going to get it done. Wow. Next up, we have our fantasy buy and sell. First, we're going to have a little bit of a fantasy rant. Last time, I told you a little bit about don't be scared to trade in fantasy football. Too many people are scared to pull the trigger to make a big deal to help improve their team. As I told you before, you have to be able to make moves to get championships. Bold moves, big gains. Now, the big problem I have with trading is trade vetoing. A lot of systems have the trade veto set in place. And while this is a good system to have to prevent cheating, collusion, people buying picks, people doing all kinds of things like that, that is not the spirit of the game. When should you veto a trade? When it is collusion from a lower place team to a higher place team that they are clearly conspiring behind the scenes and it is not about the players in the trade or the teams improving. When one team is no longer trying to improve itself and they are only trying to improve the other team for whatever selfish gains, that is not okay. That's when it's cool to veto. But when you see a trade that you don't agree with, guess what? It's not your team. You don't get to decide for every other team in the league what you think is right and what you think is wrong. Just because you don't like the running back that I'm trading for, you don't get to say, well, no, because what if the other guy that I traded away gets injured and you just stuck him on my team when I had a feeling and I wanted to trade him away? That said, you can't obviously move someone like Gurley for Wendell Smallwood and expect it to be okay because there's such a thing as perceived value. You should be able to get more from that person than Wendell Smallwood because that just looks like a bad deal. You need to be able to live up to a perceived value but still improve your team. So vetoing trades is a slippery slope. You shouldn't be doing it just for selfish gains because you're playing against a guy this week so you don't want him to improve his team because somebody else shut down your trade and chose another person's so you don't want anybody else to have that player because you couldn't have them. These are all terrible reasons to veto. Don't go out of your way to sabotage your team. Go out of your way to improve your own. Find the way to get to the championship. Trying to tear down other people's teams and other people's roster moves is not the way to go about it. That is my rant. Do not set your league on a slippery slope where one trade gets vetoed and then everybody just starts vetoing everything else because nobody wants to approve any deals because theirs got shot down. Save the trade veto button for when it's right. That's my rant. That's all I got. Now on to the fantasy stock watch. I've only got a couple for you this week. I hope you've been paying attention in the last few weeks. I have a couple of really good buys and a couple of really good sells that it's not too late to jump on. First up, I've got a buy category. I have Wendell Smallwood. Listen, he's going to get chances with Jay Ajayi gone. Clement, I'm not sure he's the guy for the job. And even if he is, he's had issues himself. So Wendell Smallwood could be the guy. Take a chance. If he's on the waiver wire, just pick him up for free. If you have waiver budget, then I wouldn't spend too much on him, but set him on your roster spot. Leave him on your bench. He could be a valuable asset. That said, if McCoy or Bell end up going to Philly, not so much, but Smallwood could be a good stash. Next up, Tennessee Titans wide receiver Corey Davis. A lot of people have been eyeballing Corey Davis for a while, even since the draft, but 
He's been very inconsistent. A lot of people dropped him off of their team. So if Corey Davis is out there, you need a receiver. He's your guy. He's getting the targets. He's just not getting all the catches right now. But eventually, targets turn to catches, turn to touchdowns. He has strong hands. He makes those tough catches. He's the guy if you need another receiver. Next up, if I haven't said buy him before, make sure you're buying David Njoku. He's going to be getting a lot more targets with Baker Mayfield around. As I said a few weeks ago, Baker Mayfield is going to be spreading the ball out. Like I said before, with Jarvis Landry, it's never going to be overly consistent. But with a tight end, that's a good thing. Because if he's bringing in five catches and he's getting those red zone targets, that's where it's going to make the difference. Big touchdowns for David Njoku coming forward. Next, I'm going to be selling another tight end. Sell Eric Ebron. Listen, he's had two really big weeks in a row. Sell him high, package him in a good deal while you can. I don't love Eric Ebron. Jack Doyle's eventually going to come back, and that's going to split all the playing time for the tight ends in Indianapolis. While Eric Ebron is this valuable, see if you can package him and get a good piece for your team. Next up, sell Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is a good back, but this is exactly what I predicted in the preseason. They're going to run them ragged. They're going to use them up as much as they can. And now they're starting to see Duke Johnson, good receiving back. Nick Chubb, hell of a running back from Georgia. They want to start spreading the ball around in the backfield, giving all these guys the chances. What's that going to result in? Less carries for Carlos Hyde. Less opportunity. Gives him less time to get into a groove and break those big runs. I'm not loving Carlos Hyde going forward as much as I have the past few weeks. Last but not least, sell Isaiah Crowell. The Jets phenom put on a hell of a show this week against the Denver Broncos. That said, I think you should be selling him at his peak value right now. He put up over 200 yards, and I feel this is the time to sell high on Isaiah let him go, see what you can get in return, package deal if you need to, but Isaiah Kroll needs to be traded away while his value is as high as it's going to get. That is the fourth quarter comeback fantasy stock watch of the week. Let me know how your fantasy team is working out, and if you're buying and selling any of the players that I am telling you to, I'd love to hear how it's working out on Twitter, at SixPackPat, with the number six. You can also let us know at 4QT Show, and you can let Rick know at Rick Red Zone. Now, Rick, to close out the show, we have our weekly fourth quarter comeback, Power Rankings. The power shifted week to week, not necessarily atop the Power Rankings, where the same two teams have been consistently there, and why wouldn't they be? They're both 5-0. We'll see if anything changed with the positioning. But for now, let's see who starts it off at number five for you, Rick. Number five for me is going to be the New England Patriots this week. I think the Patriots are regaining their form. They're looking good out there, you know, and I think that now they got their weapons back with Julian Edelman. Gronkowski's going to come alive now. Sony Michelle is up and coming, and you got Josh Gordon. I think that the Patriots are primed for a deep run in the playoffs right now. I, like I the feel Patriots. you cheated off of my power cheat sheet, and you have stolen my number five. I also have the New England Patriots at number five. The three and two, like you said, the receiving core is just coming together, and I feel they're ready to explode. Everybody was celebrating the Patriots' demise a little bit early, but now everybody in New England can realize the sky is not falling. The rapture has not. Tom Brady has that offense working. Belichick, you know he's going to scheme for everyone. They have a huge game this week against Kansas City. The Patriots 
back atop their throne, atop the AFC East. They are my number five team as well. My number four team, however, is the Cincinnati Bengals at 4-1 atop the AFC North. Listen, they're getting it done. It might not be the best. It might not be the cleanest way to win. But with Mixon back, I like their chances a lot better going forward. Cincinnati Bengals are my number four team. I like the Carolina Panthers. I think the Carolina Panthers are showing me something on the field. That defense looked a little suspect on Sunday, but I like the way they're going. I like the way they're trending upward. I think Cam Newton is playing extremely well. Christian McCaffrey is looking like a beast out there. I think that the defense eventually gets, you know, gets a hang of themselves and they turn it on. I think that uh, Carolina Panthers are looking really good right now. They're looking really strong. I got them at my number four team. And for my number three team, I'm going to go ahead and say the Kansas City Chiefs. What? The Chiefs at three? Wow. Yeah. I got the Kansas City Chiefs at three. Okay. I think the Chiefs are looking good. Pat Mahomes is looking every bit of the franchise quarterback that he is. He's got weapons on the outside. He's got Travis Kelsey in the middle. He's got Kareem Hunt in the backfield. I think the defense is great on third down, which is just good enough to get it done. It's looking like the Chiefs are going to make a long run in the playoffs. I like the Chiefs at three. I'm going with the Saints. They're 4-1. and one. They're a machine right now on offense. They are a mess on defense. Ingram coming back. I like Kamara. That's a great duo. One of the best running back combos we've had in a while, as I've said before. Drew Brees is just setting records. I love the Saints. I feel like they could easily be the Super Bowl champions this year. If they are the Super Bowl champions and they get that second Super Bowl, I would then consider Drew Brees in my top five. At least, for this, at least for this year. But for now, I'm going to just have the Saints at my three spot in the power rankings. And I'll go ahead and give you the reason why I didn't have them at three. Because I got them at two. The Saints are the best team in the NFC besides the Los Angeles Rams. They would be my Super Bowl pick if it weren't for the Rams. I love the Saints. I'm all in on the Saints. And the Saints are my number two team. Know who's an even better number two team? The Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs at 5-0 and all, atop the AFC, showing no signs of stopping anything. And they've clearly shown a commitment to improving the team with the potential of trading for Earl Thomas before. So they've shown they're willing to go in pieces to get this thing done and get to the Super Bowl this year and help Pat Mahomes go all the way. So yeah. I like the Chiefs. I don't understand how you can knock them out of the top two spots right now. As much as I do like the Saints as well, I just can't take the Chiefs. Like you've said week after week after week, until I see it, I'm not going to go against the Chiefs. Well, you went against the Chiefs today in the power rankings. No, I didn't. I'm going to learn my lesson. I I am not going against the Chiefs. They are still my number two team. But the only reason they're number two is because number one is a lock, a Rick's pick style lock. They are guaranteed right now the Rams, 5-0, and all, exactly. best team. There is no debate on this. The Rams are just the best on both sides of the ball. That's my number one, too. You obviously know that. I've been talking the Rams up all season. I love their defense. I love their offense, and I think they're going to get it done. The Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. And Ryan Gosling is going to raise the Lombardi Trophy this year. How about that, Pat? And I wouldn't be surprised if he plays him in the movie next year as well. And those are our four comeback power rankings for the week. 
We thank you very much for listening to us on the Fourth Quarter Comeback Podcast. We are available everywhere that you can find podcasts around the world. That's right, Rick. We are global. Yippee! All right. Speaking of global, you can find us on Twitter at Six Pack Pat with the number six. You can find the show at Four QC Show, and you can find Rick at Rick Red Zone. Rick Red Zone. There he is. He has some good takes. Everybody, make sure you're following. And with that, we wish you happy football. Enjoy the NFC East Showdown on Thursday night, and enjoy all the games on Sunday and Monday. Can't wait to bring you another episode next week. Thank you very much, and time for the parting shot. This week's parting shot comes courtesy of all the Green Bakers fans out there and all the betters that took the Packers. To Mason Crosby, we wish you well and give you a big fuck you. Fuck you, Mason.